Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. My name is Catherine King and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we chat to senior executives from a range of departments, industries and functions, all about their passions, experiences and challenges within data analytics. Let's go ahead and dive straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Business of Data podcast. This week we're talking all about understanding your business's why, specifically how to ensure that your data and analytics department is always supporting that business why. Now to do just that we have brought in the wonderful Mark Wilson who's the data governance lead for the UK in Handels Banken. Now for those of you who have not had the pleasure of meeting Mark, just a few intro facts to get you up to speed. Now Mark's actually been with the company since 1989 and has been within various roles, including head of BI and CRM, and obviously now through to his current position as data governance lead here in the UK. Now, if you can't find Mark at his work desk, there are three places that you should probably look. The woods on a weekend where he'll be enjoying a lovely walk, the cricket pitch watching Surrey, or perhaps even enjoying some live music. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Uh, thanks, Catherine. It's good to be here. Um, not sure about that description. Walking through the woods. Um, yes, yes, done a lot of walking the last year and a half. Absolutely, I think we all have. Uh, uh, it's been been a crazy, crazy year. And I mean, uh, we're now in a position in the UK where live music is actually starting to to happen again, uh, which is exciting. Have you got any gigs planned that you, you want to attend yet? Or are you still holding out a little bit? Well, I'm still holding out for the gigs that I've had tickets to over the last three years or so, waiting to come back. So I think we've got, a, I think, the Pet Shop Boys at some point, an old band from my youth, Ash, back <laughs> in my indie music days. And, um, and what else do we have? The Damned. Oh, okay. How's that the eclectic mix? That is a that is an eclectic mix, absolutely. Well, I mean, you've had a long time to get very excited about those gigs, so I'm hoping they live up to that excitement. Um, but it's wonderful to have you on the podcast today. And I mean, Mark, let's let's start off with uh, your role. Set the scene for me. What 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 does your role entail? Um, at the moment, I think we're really looking to um, mature out our data governance functions, if you like. So we. We spent time over the last few years working on establishing data quality. Um, we're now looking to firm up those things like data ownership. Um, bringing that into business, what does that mean to people in their everyday lives? Um, working with our um, the front-end staff on how, how we collaborate with them more in their everyday work with customers and daily activities. Um, it really is that I've heard it called data governance version two, <laughs> the next or version three, some have called it. It's really, I think, bringing it back in now into that real life world, um, away from that ivory tower head office mentality. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Now, what many people don't realize about the podcast is I have a very extensive research call ahead of the podcast with each of my guests. And I know when we chatted last, Mark, you were absolutely so, so passionate about uh, data being uh, led by the, by the businesses. Why? And really centering yourself in on that. Now, I know you've got quite a personal story as to why you are so passionate about that. And I wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing that with the listeners today. <laughs> Yes, yes, uh, of course, absolutely. Um, well, I guess this, um, everyone relax, 
draw up a mug of tea, sit yourself by the fire, and I'll tell you a story. <laughs> um, back in my dark distance past, um, I worked with my father, who ran a shoe shop in a small village. And we're going back now to the mid-1980s. So this was pre-mobile phone and social media. And, and I only really started thinking about this a few years ago when, when I had my, my data cap on. We used to take in repairs from a repair shop and invariably the area that it was, uh, Surrey Stockboat about, it was generally people dropping shoes off that needed them back for something. The husband was flying out somewhere, somebody had a business meeting, so there was an importance to the customer that they, they got their shoes. But we shut the shop on a 5.30 on a Saturday evening and invariably there would be occasions when we'd get a phone call at 20 past five saying, I can't make it, I'm stuck in Camberley. My kids are a nightmare. Um, and we, we got to the point of every time we took in a repair, we used to ask the customer for their phone number. We always, we asked them for their address. And we made sure that any tickets we gave out had all contact details for ourselves, which had our shoe shop number, but also our home number. So if people did have that inability to get to us, they could call us. I did very well as a youngster making 50p for my father every time I had to cycle around a pair of shoes to a customer's house on a Sunday morning. <laughs> um, equally, it worked the other way as well. If we were unable to, to repair within a certain time we'd committed to, we could call the customer, explain the situation, deliver them to the customer um, that evening or later on, we could do it. As a result of that, the business, as a small shoe shop in a village, really punched above its weight in terms of word of mouth recommendations. We, my father did so well out of that. We, we had people who used to send shoes down from Scotland twice a year to be repaired out of loyalty just because of that service. It wasn't, as I say, until a few years ago, I thought this is really when we talk about how do we monetize our data? How do we use our data? And it's really thinking, how do we create those little things that customers appreciate from the data we, we already hold or through mm. a small step we can capture it um and it just worked so well for us as say the business really just worked and held up so well through recommendations because of our customer service which was seen as very good but it was just common sense really absolutely and really just centering around that that whole ethos and morale of uh you know that customer centricity and then building from that the the things that you can do to support that and i mean i'm, I'm keen to know in your experience what do data analytics teams get a little bit wrong where there, there are lessons that need to be learned when it comes to defining and working towards and understanding their organizations why i know when we've um had many many other podcast episodes it's very clear that every organization is very unique so everyone's why is going to be slightly unique. Obviously, there's going to be uh, uh, common themes, but the essence of that organization's why is going to be unique, as I say. So what are the sorts of pitfalls that you've uh, seen or experienced yourself, Mark? I think one of the, if we see data governance as the triangulation of people, processes and technology, I think technology throws up the biggest pitfalls and the temptations to, to leave the beaten track. Mm. Sometimes 
you lose sense of what the original why was. I think if you have a situation where you've got a group of developers growing your whatever it may be, be it your warehouse, your guineas tools or anything, there's always the next technology now that's on the horizon. And developers generally want to work with the new technology, they want to grow. And it's easy sometimes to, to over deliver what you think your business wanted. And let's say the business to me is it's the front end, it's always the people facing the customers, the people capturing the data. Sometimes their problem won't get solved by a wonderful whiz bang with whistles technical solution necessarily. They just need something simple that solved that problem. Mm -hmm. We don't have the right data field to store this thing that we capture on an application form. That, that's it. So I think it's it's keeping that synergy and honesty between the business and it's the old argument, isn't it? We've always had business and IT working together. Mm. Um, making sure that the IT team deliver the business requirements and equally the business understand the IT solutions and what the the opportunities are there. It really is a two-way relationship that has to work so well. That sometimes I think can be a challenge for data analytics teams. It's, it's tempting to chase numbers, stats, MI, and but you've got to come back to why we're we doing this. What's the point? Absolutely. And then just to pick up on that point then, Mark, uh, something I love doing on the podcast is really drilling into kind of the practical ways of doing this. So what would be your recommendations for our listeners to really uncover the why behind their businesses, even if they've been in the business for a number of years? I think this work is ongoing. And, you know, as we've seen with the pandemic, some businesses, why the essences of how they work and when they work and the rest has adapted as well. So that I think this is a, a task we can all do as a, as a bit of homework. So practically, what would be your recommendations for for really drilling down into that um, core business why and how they can align themselves from a strategic point of view and with their goals as well. Well, it's something in, I firmly encourage any of the employees in the company who are sitting in that, let's say the head office functions, the controller functions, so really, if you can and you have the opportunity to get out and sit down and work with, maybe for a couple of days, the people who are at the front end, who are meeting the customers, who are perhaps receiving a paper application form and pushing it into a system. It's, it's only by sitting down and working with them, you sometimes see the changes that don't come across. A typical mortgage application form, I don't know, might go through 40 pages of information. It could simply be you're getting more data problems because of the stress somebody's under in trying to enter all that data in a short space of time. It's not a technical solution. It's a people issue, maybe. Mm. It could be a process problem. But you're not really going to see that until you sit down, as well as seeing what they do, speak to them, listen to them. A lot of our early wins we got, the low hanging fruit was by speaking to our branches who are meeting customers who were telling us, we have to put this data into this build because we don't have anywhere else to put it, but it's really important. Mm. And there's, it's a free text, so we can put that in there. So, well, 
we started it three years ago and we've always done it that way and it's a perfectly it's a human nature thing to do and i'm very strong on the fact what would you do and i think yeah. it's by sitting down and going out and meeting the people who are entering the data character they'll tell you the problems that really need solving that are causing the problems whereas if you sit too far back in the business you just see the result Mm. it's easy to just assume oh it's fat fingered input they always get that wrong or dig into the the root cause of this and sometimes um it'll be something as simple as updating an instruction in a system so updating maybe your paper application form hasn't kept in line with your technical system and it's work that needs to be done on that on that the, the paper side of things yeah very, very interesting. Now, hello, I am briefly interrupting your podcast listening to tell you about our second Global Business of Data Festival taking place in January 2022. We are bringing together some of the world's biggest brands and their senior leaders to talk about some of the toughest challenges and amazing opportunities of the coming year. Already confirmed to join us in our TV studios are Mastercard, Johnson & Johnson, Condé Nast, Chanel and many, many more. You can register now and save your seat to the world's only data and analytics global broadcast. Click the link in the show notes or visit our business of data platform. Now, back to the podcast. See, now I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So you've gone into, go into branch or store or wherever your frontline workers are for, for our listeners. You've been presented with lots of challenges and unforeseen situations. Perhaps you've walked in and you've got a whole heap of problems you just did not see coming your way. What what is then the the next step that you're going to take with that? Because the examples you gave are very very valid, but now imagine they're ten times twenty times that load. Is there a risk you've opened Pandora's box by going almost over the the heads of and going over the managers and straight down to those frontline workers? Is there a risk you've opened Pandora's box to the point now where it's going to be very challenging to? fix all of those things because I'm assuming you're going to have a conversation with those team members and say hey we really value this feedback we're going to put things in place how do you manage that relationship going forwards because it could be that you're uncovering things that are huge mammoth months worth long projects that would need to work it it, it needed uncovering it's mm. there isn't it we can't you're not looking to shoot the messenger. Um, <laughs> it needs to be handled as any other business challenge. It's, it's a risk your business is carrying. So it needs to be treated. Um, it, it's a risk that needs to be acknowledged, understood. Now, by all means, it could be something that a, a quick fix could solve something, but it could well turn into a, a project requirement, a system replacement. But it could be that there is an ongoing project to deliver a new, let's say, legacy system, replace the legacy system with a new one, mm -hmm. it's important that that project needs to know these are challenges that that needs to solve. So I think you, well, you're not doing any, <laughs> you're doing a disservice to not flush this out yeah. and talk about these things. And as always, by enabling communication about them, you could find there is already something in place that a small slight shift on a project path to factor something in and you might solve things that were never anticipated in the first place. Mm. 
Absolutely. Now, uh, frequent listeners to the podcast will know I'm an extremely visual person. It's just how my brain works. And that example you've, you've given there with, with the fact that you do need to uncover it, it's almost like having a leaky tap, right? You, you walk into your house and the tap's drip, drip, dripping. You think, oh, that's, that's a bit annoying, but it's only a bit of a drip. I'm not going to address it. But over the year, if you were to look at your water bill and go, goodness me, that's a lot of water that's gone down the drain that I could have paid for. I suppose it's, all, it's those sorts of challenges, right, that perhaps haven't come up to you in the IT or data departments because they've not been escalated to the point you know it's not like the tap's gone and there's flooding in the bathroom situation we're not talking about those it's more those drip drippy taps that need to be addressed because the long time issues are going to have a repercussion it could be as simple as tightening it and suddenly uh, you've got a very clear return of investment on that as well now another challenge i'll put towards you then is if you're going straight to the front line with these branch workers how does it work for the the wider kind of hierarchy i want to say but i want a better word for saying that when it comes to an organization would you say it's there should be things being put in place so that there is an escalation so people know that these smaller Mm -hmm. things like your example of well we didn't have a column for this those are the sorts of things you guys want to hear as well so is there a risk that there's almost a dilution of problems and challenges because people have that drip tap kind of mentality where they go oh it's only one column it doesn't matter and by the time it comes to the data board meeting it's not even mentioned because it seems so small is, is that fair yes absolutely and i think i've got a couple of thoughts in my head i'm just jotting them down so i don't lose track of them <laughs> the the first thought that came to me when you were talking about your dripping tap is the danger of apathy that People that have been in the company a long time, let's take a call centre example. Mm-hmm. There's 100 people sitting in the call centre. Now, if they're regularly raising things that don't get a response from their next level up, why raise them? Mm-hmm. And the new employees that join walk into a culture that says, oh, it's always been like that. We've been mentioned before, don't worry, the workaround is this, which is put a funnel or a bucket under the dripping tap. Yeah. I think that's a, it's something we constantly have to think about is what is the message we're sending when we don't respond? I think that that's important for, for morale, for people's well-being or belief that they can make a change and that the company shows they're listening. And then going back to how do we get those little things through? Well, the work we've been doing to get to this point, if you like, on data governance version one and data quality work, we should be now having data quality issue management processes in place mm. where any member of um, any employee can go into a place and record a data quality problem. And that should go into the same kind of process as any other incident management solution. They're logging it. They're getting a response back with a reference number. Your case has been logged. That should be going to a central data quality team who should be reviewing that, digging into the root cause, doing the evaluation, perhaps then identifying who in the business has the responsibility to take the corrective action. We should have a data governance committee, council, body in place who are keeping track of these open data quality issues and volumes mm-hmm. that should be part of the management structure of an organization. So you've got an escalation point. So data governance committee should be reporting to your 
your board, your exco, your senior risk committee, and that should be in your organization structure. That data comes committee, it holds something. It it needs to be have a presence and, and these are the ideal things for them to be staying on top of. So small things shouldn't be allowed to filter under. Mm. As you said, that dripping tap, that problem with 5% of our customers' mobile phones, something, they all have impacts. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, my assumption here, Mark, is that there will have been some sort of data literacy going on for you during this process as well, because it's all well having the processes, and I'm sure we could we could have lots of conversations about data visualization because often they they suffer the same things. Just because you've got a wonderful dashboard doesn't mean it's being used, and the same for these sorts of reporting processes. Just because you've got it there doesn't mean it's being used. So I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, there would have been some education around why it's important and how the dripping tap has an impact further down the line, because I think that can be a very important element as well, because especially those working on the front line, they are mostly concerned about their customers. That's who they want to be giving value to. They're not necessarily thinking about the wider data governance project. Sorry if that offends any of our data project leaders. I'm sorry, but I doubt that's what they're really thinking about day in, day out, because uh, quite rightly, they're focused on the customer. So have you been doing that data literacy element to it? And how have you been getting basically everyone excited about this to, to make sure those processes are, are used? Well, um, hmm. it's uh, we, we see all the time um, people are working on their data strategy and their data frameworks and their data policies. Somebody who's working in a retail shop in Aberdeen doesn't care about those. So we need to find something. This is a dry paper document that sits centrally. It's really useful for senior management to disseminate information down to A level. Um, the literacy conversation never, ever goes away. It never goes away. It's just a constant. It's a constant. Storytelling is a constant. It's the mm. same old thing. And everybody here listening who's worked on data for years, you know, you've been giving the same message for a long time. And then there was a point. There was an Ulrika moment. You kind of got to point. So I thought, they got it. I'm in. <laughs> but you'll have it again two years later. You'll have to hit another Ulrika moment. Because management changes, staff changes, the company direction can change. You have to have put a different angle slightly. Um, so it's something you just have to accept. This is part of the job. Going back to our triangulation, the technology, fine, processes get in, but the people change. Mm -hmm. People you need to work with. Um, one thing we've been, we're conscious of is supporting documentation for the specific parts of the business. You want to think about data in a specific way. So uh, work at the moment on a, a branch handbook. So obviously your data management framework, your strategy, these are big, dry, whatever your organization size, 40 page, 100 page, yeah. 50 page documents. A branch handbook, four pager. Visualization, fun. Chuck a couple of cartoons on it, cartoonified pictures. Layman's term language, and absolutely relative to that audience. So, and it's gotta be, it's a sell. We're here to provide a service to the company. You know, we're not a secret police organization. We're here to help the company grow, be better through better data, better data management. So we need to word things in a way that says, let us know if you've got a problem. Come to us. This is who you contact. These are processes are in place to help you. 
Mm -hmm. Don't sizzle things, don't stew, don't let apathy create. But equally, be ready to respond centrally. And that's the, that's the other point. You've got to be ready to provide that, that thought of a help desk function, that we have someone who can pick up a phone. You'll reach an organisation with 400 outlets and you're going to give them all a handbook. There'll be one data issue that 300 of them will immediately call you about. Yeah. They'll all have the same problem. And suddenly there you are swamped and we never saw that coming. But you have to be prepared. It's build the process to support that kind of information. But but the branch handbook, um, we've run that through a few of our uh, employees and, and they've loved it. And we've, we've got them to help us write it. So Absolutely. it's really been a proactive part of how can it help them? What do they need to know? Where do they want help? And then be the ones you want to talk to. So it's it's breaking down the ivory tower. I always like to say that phrase. Don't yeah. be ahead of this ivory tower. You're doing that. I think fundamentally you've created that disengagement to your front end, which is hard to rebuild. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you've, you've nailed it on the head going back to my previous uh, question about opening Pandora's box. And I think you absolutely got that completely right there where you were saying um, it's about not just having the process, but then having it built up to the point of you can then respond to the things you're encouraging. So if you're encouraging feedback, you're encouraging reporting, then you need to have something in place that can receive all of that, deal with it, and then uh, throw it back out. So that is how to avoid the Pandora's box situation is, is having that process. And then I'm actually keen, uh, before we finish today, uh, Mark, to, to go back to the triangulation point about the technology. Now, you mentioned the kind of whiz-bang um, challenge around, you know, someone's brought out this fancy new software. It's the best thing since sliced bread. It's going to cure all your problems. How do you steer the department away from that thinking and also maximizing the solutions you currently have. I think it can be people and organizations can fall foul of buying one thing for one thing, another thing for another, but actually that solution could probably do multiple things, but it's best well known for perhaps one or two of those things. So, so how do you deal with those challenges? Uh, a few of them there. Um, many, well, a few years ago when we started this um, and it was a visualization. People want to see things and they were, we were getting systems with pie charts and bar graphs and line graphs and colors and multi-dimensionals. And it was a constant of mine that said, this is actually increasing our operational risk. Because you know what? When you got a spreadsheet, you had a little bit of caution and you looked at it and you wanted to double check things. When you've got some, a new system with a whiz-bang pie chart, three-dimensional, that drills into a, goodness knows, that looks great. That's trustworthy. Look how shiny it is. The data's not changed. Mm -hmm. It's been into it. It just looks better. So I've always been um, wary and, and um, suspicious of, of, of going too far on that. The thing I, we talk a lot about is uh, the building blocks. Mm -hmm. Are we really ready for the next phase? Things like AI and machine learning. Have we really got our data quality to such a great standard? We'll trust what these things can give us. Um, I think it's really a case of, and the, the, the point you made about, generally we buy a system for a purpose and it may well be 20% of the functionality of that system. Now, if you're going into a, six month, one year project to buy it, implement it, link it up to your systems. 
invariably 12 months later, there'll be another system in the market that does something that the other system did, but it does it a bit better. Yeah. I always think of that Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Last Ark, and the last scene where the Ark's been put into a crate and the camera pans back through a warehouse of crates all around. I think so many times we end up as organisations with all these systems that are doing bits and yet, and, and it's a tough challenge. It is a tough challenge because as we speak, there's something that will come on the market in six months' time. Mm -hmm. And we end up with the danger of perpetually waiting for the, the utopian system mm -hmm. that solves Pandora's box. But it's it's unlikely to happen, really, because you, you specialist systems are there because they're good at what they do. So it's, it's best to breed for certain purposes as a mindset, maybe. Maybe we shouldn't be looking for that one system that will solve all. Maybe we just accept we have a world, we need 20 systems. This does that really well, that does that really well. But let's look at something that does that really well and doesn't try and do the rest of it. <laughs> That's not if you were going to buy something, you'd want to buy it from somebody who's going to give you great after sales support on that thing. Not that's just a little thing they do. So they suck to you, they walk away now. They're going to support the people who buy the big shiny bit. So it's, it's looking at your vendors and thinking about what you're really after. And going back to your strategy, what is your five-year strategy? Where are you going with this? Um, and, and really work through that, understand that. And, and technology's absolutely got to be part of that. With an acceptance that nowadays technology grows evolved so fast, we have to have wiggle room here. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mark, before I let you go, I always ask my favourite question last, which is we, we've had such a breadth of discussion here across the last 30 minutes. So what would be your one or two key takeaways you'd love the listeners to be considering after they've uh, listened to the podcast today? What's the kind of message you'd like them to take home? Oh, gosh. Oh, there's so many things. Releasing of lockdown going on. Uh, brave new world of meeting people, socialising, back to the data world maybe, um, communication throughout an organisation. Um, do what you can to stop the ivory tower forming. Um, really, it's, and just keep moving on with the storytelling, the working on that. You, you've never, ever, to my mind, ever finally delivered. There's always the next stage of what you've got to do. You need to keep everyone on board. Get out there, meet your organisation and sell yourself as a service. Don't let yourself become another one of the bad guys, the cops, the auditors, the compliance, the people that people look down on. I Work yourself that. out and be, yeah. I love there that. Mark, always an absolute treat. Uh, we'll catch up very soon. Thanks so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Lee, Catherine. All the best, thank you. We hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Do be sure to subscribe and follow the Business of Data podcast wherever you're currently listening to ensure you're always first in line to the latest episode. We'd also appreciate your review as well. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us a review. And as always, find us on socials as well as heading over to the Business of Data platform for more forms of great content, including articles, blogs, and video. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you real soon.